The reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 30, and can be found on 1179 of the Church Bibles. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go for me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Ephroditus, my, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs, for he longs for all of you, and it is, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Thank you, Sue. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, it's a, it's a bit of an odd little passage, this one, um, but we just pray that as we look at it, that your Holy Spirit uh, will speak to each one of us, and that we will learn more what it means to follow you. Amen. So, Paul uh, is writing to these, these, these Christians uh, in Philippi. And this is the, the town now. It's still there. There's sort of the ruined bit and there's a small modern town uh, next to it. And uh, the guys there, the Christians there, were finding life pretty difficult. Uh, and if you read through the whole of Philippians, you get the sense of, of what some of their problems were. So perhaps, like now, people just didn't like Christians. They didn't like what they stood for. They didn't like the fact that they didn't conform with the way everybody else uh, thought. Uh, and there were others who thought, well, Christianity is just a bit too simple. Simply trusting in the Lord Jesus for forgiveness is not enough. It's not sophisticated enough. It needs to be a bit cleverer. Uh, and to make it worse, uh, there were divisions within the church. People had different views, by the sounds of it, on how things should be, should be done. 
and, and so with all that lot going on, the, 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 the sort of this persecution, this, this pressure to change their ways, this, this diversion with other stuff going on, Paul's writing into a situation that I guess is pretty similar to us now. It's probably why the letter is still in the Bible for us. Because it still speaks to us, doesn't it? And unlike a sort of Christmas letter that you might get from your friends uh, that's full of little thoughts, all sorts of things that have happened during the years or packed with different ideas, this letter, with all this going on, has kind of got one big message that Paul keeps hammering home. He keeps saying, focus on Jesus. Put Jesus first. Jesus is, is all that matters. Uh, you, could, uh, you may not want to look at the, the, the verses. It's uh, page 1179, by the way. I should have said if you want to keep your Bibles open. But look at chapter 1, verse 27. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Or, or um, chapter 2, verse 5, uh, one we were looking at the other day. Have the same mindset as Jesus. And then looking ahead, chapter 3, he'll talk about boasting, but boasting only in Jesus. And then chapter 4, he talks about rejoicing, but again, rejoicing in Jesus. So that's the big focus, that's what he wants us to, 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 to think about. And then suddenly there's this little sort of bump in the road when we suddenly get introduced to these two characters, Timothy and Epaphroditus. It would have been much nicer if he'd had a shorter name, but never mind. Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Paul's going to send them to them. He's going to send them to them separately. You can see that, verse 23, 25. Uh, first, in fact, Epaphroditus, uh, then Timothy. And it seems as though what Paul is saying is, look, I told you about following the Lord Jesus, and, and I've described how Jesus did it, and I've got you to focus on him. But actually, I'm now going to try and encourage you a bit more by sending you a couple of folk who are really trying to do this, who are really trying to live out for the Lord Jesus. So that, that's what we're going to be looking at, and it's perhaps a reminder straight away that those of us who follow the Lord, people will be looking to us over the coming days, weeks, or whatever, whatever situation we're in. People do look to us and say, is that someone who's living for the Lord? And if you want to sum up what that looks like, I think verse 21 helps. It's a bit of a backward verse, really. It's where Paul says, everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So I guess putting that the other way around, we're sort of saying uh, Timothy is different than that because Timothy is putting Jesus first. If, if Timothy has a to-do list, number one on the to-do list is Jesus Christ. And so I guess the question that this passage asks is kind of, well, what does that really mean in practice? What, what, what does that look like? What does that mean for you and me tomorrow to put Jesus first? And I was, uh, with Judith and I were at a, a retreat with Church Army this week, and I was talking to some of the folk up there. And I quickly came to the conclusion that it's an impossible question to answer, unless we got all night. Because 
the answer to what it means putting Jesus first is going to differ for each one of us, isn't it? It's, it's going to depend on exactly where we are tomorrow morning, how we work that out in practice. I mean, we get, we get principles in Philippians. So things like uh, verse 20 talks about being concerned for other Christians. Uh, it means loving our brothers and sisters. We heard the other week about acting with humility, uh, valuing others above ourselves. We don't grumble, we don't argue, we hold firm to the word of God. But at some point, all those principles have got to be put into action, haven't they? In the nitty-gritty uh, of life. Because following Jesus is going to affect everything I do. I don't know whether you remember, some of you, the, the WWJD campaign. It went around for quite a long time. What would Jesus do? Uh, it's a pity in a way uh, that that's, that's faded because it, it was a good little reminder, wasn't it? I don't know whether you're an investment banker about to move millions of pounds around the globe tomorrow morning or whether you're going to be rinsing out a smelly nappy or you may think they're about the same job actually but whatever whatever you're going to be doing how do I put Jesus' interests first? And I don't know the answer because it's just going to be so different for your situation but it's a good illustration isn't it? of why Paul sent Timothy and Epaphroditus. Because actually, it's probably something we just need to talk through. We just need to say, this is what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. How do you think I put Jesus first in that situation? What is it that I could be doing? I was at a, uh, I popped into a sort of Christian union meeting at work the other day, uh, and uh, they were having a short seminar on how do I put Jesus first with my money? Someone saying that the principle they'd adopted is every year they would give a little bit more. Didn't matter whether they were better off or worse off each year, but each year they would give a little bit more. So we need to just think it through in our own situations, don't we? About how do we put Jesus first? But something I do know about putting Jesus first is that it's not easy. When we follow the Lord, it's, it's, it's not a part-time activity, isn't it? It's not going down to the charity shop to help out. Uh, we don't switch off being Christians as we, as, as we leave church. It affects, our faith affects every day of our life. And it's a, it's a mistake, isn't it, if we pretend that being a Christian is a sort of a, a, a bed of roses. So that at that point, everything is easy for us. Look at some of the language in this passage. Verse 22, uh, Timothy has served with Paul. The word, uh, literally in some translations, is a slave. And that's a word that Paul uses elsewhere, being a slave of Christ. Look at Epaphroditus, how he's described. Verse 25, a worker, and as a soldier, that's language he uses for Timothy too, later on. Those don't sound terribly easy, do they? They don't sound terribly attractive. But Paul's quite clear here. If we're going to put Jesus first, however that's going to work out, it can be difficult, it can be tough, and it might involve risk. And in fact, in this case, 
Epaphroditus, um, we see verse 30, he risks his life for Paul. He nearly dies. In fact, the, the literal language there is he took a gamble. It was that big a risk he took with his actual life. And that's probably true of Timothy too. I mean, Paul was uh, uh, on um, a capital charge. He was uh, likely uh, to be executed if, if things went wrong. Um, and you don't really want to associate with people on death row. It's, it's like going into Guantanamo Bay and putting in an orange jumpsuit. But Timothy and Epaphroditus were taking that risk of getting alongside someone. And they were taking that risk for the Lord Jesus. And we're not perhaps called to make such dramatic risks. But we are supposed to be just pushing ourselves, risking our lives, risking ourselves a little bit for the Lord Jesus. And this may not be a very uplifting talk at the moment, because you may think, well, this sounds a bit miserable, it's hard work, it's risky. Um, well, let's put another sort of a, a, a spin on it. And that is that we don't adopt this lifestyle, we don't follow the Lord Jesus to make life easy. You see there, verse 28, Paul still talks about experiencing anxiety. Verse 27, he experiences sorrow. And if that is our experience, that isn't a sign that something is wrong in our Christian walk. Jesus was the same. He battled. He had his own difficulties. We know that. He was tempted in the same way as we are. Christian life, the Christian walk, can involve a lot of difficulties. There's been a lot of fuss recently, hasn't there, about home working. And there's still the sneaking suspicion that when you're making your phone call to that person who's working at home, they're actually sitting with their feet up on the sofa or, or, or in the deck chair with a gin and tonic next to them. Um, and people don't really believe that working from home is the real thing, isn't it? Well, it's very easy, isn't it, for us as Christians to opt for working from home option, to work from our sofa or our deck chair. But Paul's saying here, no, following Lord Jesus, putting him first, it is going to be tough. And it will, will involve risk. So at this point, you might be saying, well, look, if it's that tough, why bother? You know, I've, um, I've decided to follow the Lord Jesus. My, my future is, is sure, as we were just hearing about. Why bother to go through all that? Well, the very simple reason and very brief reason is that that's kind of what we were born for. There was a, I thought you'd like a bit of um, highbrow philosophy. Uh, there was a philosopher called Epictetus, and he was writing about the same time as Paul. And he obviously liked swans, because what he said, he said, if I was born a swan, I would do what is proper for a swan to do. Um, which is presumably this, sort of float around and look swan-like. But he said, but I was born a rational human being, and so I must worship God. So that's a non-Christian saying, I get this, I am born human, I am designed to worship God. That's what I was created for, to worship and to serve God. And in that service, as the old prayer goes, is perfect freedom. It is God who works in us to fulfill his good purpose.
And because of that, the other half of this passage, the other bits of this passage, are three great encouragements to what it means to follow and focus and serve the Lord Jesus. Um, and, And the first encouragement is really the same point as the swan. Because because we are in the Lord Jesus and he is in us, that means we have the Holy Spirit to help us. And that's a message that Paul is, is, is sort of underlining in this passage. You see how many times that phrase, in the Lord, appears. I mean, it actually is in the very first verse of the first chapter of the book where he talks to the saints in Christ. But look, even in this passage here, uh, we've got um, that he's, uh, he hopes in the Lord in verse 19 and then verse 24 I'm confident in the Lord and verse 29 welcome in the Lord it's that reminder isn't it that when we turn to Jesus when we ask God to save us then the Holy Spirit is in us we are secure in Christ and he lives in us that's the description Jesus uses doesn't it, about a vine and the branches uh, that they're all joined up as one. He is the vine, we are the branches. And it's the same wine, the same DNA flowing through us. So putting Jesus first isn't some sort of a big effort. It isn't a self-improvement program. It's simply living out the way we were designed to, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives as he longs to. So we have the encouragement of the Holy Spirit but here's the second encouragement, uh, perhaps a little bit of a strange one. But, you know, um, we come to serve the Lord Jesus just as we are with our own personalities. And, and all of us, whatever our background, whatever our situation, we all have something to offer. Because it seems that Paul has deliberately chosen two very different characters to send to Philippi. Um, he sent Timothy uh, and Epaphroditus. And I was trying to think how to sum them up, and I thought it's probably like these two, really. Uh, Timothy is a bit of a piglet, and Epaphroditus seems to be a a tigger. Uh, Now, we know about Timothy from from other passages uh, in in the Bible. Uh, We know uh, that that he was uh, quite young. Uh, He seems to have been quite sensitive. He seems to have been easily pushed around. Uh, and he often seems to be uh, ill. So we've got Tim, Timothy's very much a piglet, a sensitive uh, little chap. Um, and then we've got Epaphroditus, who seems to be uh, much tougher. Uh, look how he's described here, a fellow worker, soldier. He's clearly popular with the Philippians, you can see that. Um, verse 28, worried about him, glad to see him again. They reckon it would have taken two months walking to get from Philippi to Rome. So he's obviously pretty capable. He's doing that journey on his own. He's carrying this cash or whatever it is uh, to help Paul. And to cap it all, look at his name. He's named after the goddess of beauty, Aphrodite. That's a bit of a burden to carry through life, isn't it? But obviously his parents thought he looked rather wonderful. So he's kind of an all-round superstar by the sounds of it. So we've got a tigger. And we got a piglet. But both of them can follow the Lord Jesus. And both of them can encourage the folks in Philippi. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each of us 
should use whatever gifts we have to serve others. So we may be very different, but we can all do this. We can all serve the Lord Jesus. This isn't just a lesson for vicars and super saints. It's for the tiggers and the piglets too. And then there's one more encouragement. And that is this experience that that flows through the whole letter, but in this passage, of joy uh, and and encouragement between each other. And it's worked out in different ways in this passage. You just pick it up as we dot through. Um, Verse 19, Paul talks about being cheered when he hears their news, doesn't he? He talks about having confident hope in the Lord, verses 19 and 24, because he knows God is with us. And he's seen God at work. Look at verse 27, where he says, uh, Paul says he's seen God have mercy on Epaphroditus. I don't think that means necessarily there was a miraculous healing, but it sounds as though Paul was praying for Epaphroditus and seen him get better. And then verse 29, can you see there's reference to the joy as the Philippians are reunited with Epaphroditus. That's the joy, isn't it, of being together of being a family, of Christian fellowship. And that means we encourage and are encouraged by each other. That's what Sarah was just talking about with New Growth Ministries, wasn't it? The, the encouragement of seeing how folk are doing and encouraging each other. And, and, and we cheer each other up and allow each other to be cheered. Over coffee, let's try and encourage, let's cheer each other up. We will experience God's mercy might be something really dramatic we want to share. Or it might just be day to day we see God working. And then, of course, we have the joy of getting together like this on a Sunday or whenever, being in Christ. I think if you want a great example of that, I thought it was such a lovely Thanksgiving service for the life of Anthony this week. And those of us who's here, uh, wasn't it an encouragement? A lovely, quiet man living out his life in Christ with all its ups and downs. But you can only be cheered and encouraged by being there and listening to them. So there we are. We've got a bunch of Christians struggling. And Paul cuts through it all and reminds them. He says, look, the only thing that matters focus on Jesus, live for him, live in Jesus. And if that's too difficult for you, if that's too theoretical, well, talk to some others and talk to Timothy, talk to Ephroditus, talk to the piglets and the tiggers. Just because they're very different, so what? It doesn't matter who we are. Living for Jesus means we can put Jesus first. We can live that out in our day-to-day lives, whatever we're doing tomorrow. And we can be ready to risk things, risk things for God. And we accept that it might be tough at times, and it might enjoy risk. But at the same time, that life comes with great blessings when we live the life God intended in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the Lord.